pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is fantastic. And welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast, a cold front report multicast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Garrett. You can find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. And joining me as always. I'm Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter at Real J-U-V-E-I-N-O. Well, you know, I, I don't think it's any kind of talk about here this Tuesday morning. So let's talk about the Bills coming off of a huge 48 to 19 dismantling of the Denver Broncos, the two seed Buffalo Bills, the AFC East champions, Jeff Uvino, your overall thoughts this Tuesday morning. Yeah, the Broncos game was everything you could have hoped for and more if you're a Bills fan. I mean, just every aspect of the game, they completely dominated. Um, There were a few moments in this game in the first half when it looked like Denver was going to stick around and maybe even come back in the game to make it interesting. But the Bills turned it on in the third quarter and really just put them away. And, you know, I, I think that this being a potential trap game going in, people talking about that. We never thought that. We said that on the show last week. We didn't think this was anything remotely close to a trap game. For the Bills, we expected them to win, but with the Bills going out there and showing everybody that, I mean, I think that we're almost getting to the point where I can ask you, do we expect the Bills to go out and win every single week? Are we at that point? Because we never have been before, and I'm cautious I'm cautious to do that. I'm cautious to think the Bills are going to go out and win every week because of you know, the Bills fan in me that for the last 20 years, everything has happened. It's always been better than it, it seems to be. And this time of year is where everything usually starts to derail as a Bills fan in the 21st century. But is this team different? Is this a team that's going to go out and win every single week? Because we expect them to do and because they're better. I'm not sold on it. Well, you you said last week on the Overtime Podcast that when I asked you, is the matchup with the Denver Broncos in Denver a trap game for the Bills, who are, I believe, coming into that game, are riding, uh, winning seven of the last eight, now winning eight of the last nine. You said there's no such thing as a trap game with Sean McDermott as the Buffalo Bills head coach, and that I couldn't agree with you more on. That uh, That's what I said on the podcast. That sentiment still holds true this day. I don't think there is no such thing as a trap game with Sean McDermott as the Buffalo Bills head coach. And – you know, I, I understand that mentality because, you know, that, that that's why I enjoy having Jeff as a co-host on the podcast. That's why Jeff, you know, probably enjoys me because we both have similar experiences watching the Buffalo Bills. The last 20 years has been the same last 20 years for everybody. The only difference for Jeff and I is it's been our entire lives, not just we, – we didn't get to enjoy the Super Bowl years. We didn't get to enjoy the last AFC's championship. So this is all new to us. This whole experience of of, of – euphoria of the bills winning like this is different so with that being said i i don't think it's appropriate for people that maintain the same kind of defeatist attitude with this buffalo bills team because go back to the overall point there's no such thing as a trap game with sean mcdermott as your head coach and you know so many other things can coincide with that there is this is not the rex ryan buffalo bills this isn't the chan gailey buffalo bills doug marone buffalo bills the dick duran buffalo bills this ain't this isn't any of those washed up mediocre teams this isn't it's not like that and what sets this team apart is not just the expectation of going into a game and winning but just it, it, sean mcdermott has always gotten the most out of this football team you look at the team that he took over in 2017 that team had no business going nine and seven and backdooring its way to the playoffs no business and then you look at the team he had in 2018 if if any other coach in the league has that team they're probably winning three or four games that year and you look at the team he had last year it was a talented group and he managed to get 10 wins out of out of that team and now this year you go into the year with one of the most difficult schedules and manage to have to, to, to raise the bar in terms of expectations I think everybody needs to stop expecting to have that letdown because this isn't the typical Bills team everybody is so has grown so used to watching. This team is different, and I think everybody needs to stop holding their breath, stop clinching, and stop waiting for something to go wrong with this team because, you know, I was just like you a couple of weeks ago. You know, get, I, 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 I was always telling people, oh, what do you think about the Bills? Oh, well, I'll tell you in two weeks. Well, it's not, it's no long, that's no longer the case. This team has proven themselves. They're the hottest team in football. Forget the conferences, the hottest team in football. 
and they are riding a wave of momentum following that Hail Mary pass that they suffered at the hand of, hands of Kyle Murley, Kyler Murray against the Arizona Cardinals over a month ago. And that is really what, what has fueled this winning streak by the Buffalo Bills and almost this reign of dominance on both sides of the ball. And that is really what has started everything for this team going forward and what has given them as large of a wave of momentum heading into the playoffs as, I, as I've seen in recent, in recent past. So we can expect them to go beat a team like the Broncos. We can expect them to beat the, to beat the Patriots knowing what the Patriots are this year. We can expect that. Maybe we can even expect them to beat the Dolphins at home week 17 and finish 13 and three. But can we expect the Buffalo Bills to go beat a playoff team, win the first round of the playoffs and a team that they're slightly better than? Can we expect that? Is it a given that the Bills are going to go out there on wildcard weekend and win? Or could it be a letdown? That is where my hesitation comes. You could play a team such as the Browns. You could play a team such as the Ravens. You could play a team such as the Colts. Now, I think that the Bills are objectively better than all three of those teams. But there's a lot of room for error for Buffalo. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And that letdown could be the culmination of what has been an otherwise successful and tremendous season. And that is where my apprehension comes in. I mean, we can we can say the Bills are going to go beat the Broncos because I think that they showed that this week is that this Bills team in its current form, how it's playing, is going to go beat below average teams handily because they're at that level. That's never been the case before. So that's established. So now it's, can they go win that playoff game? Because they should right now, the bills are the number two seed in the AFC. And like you said, they are the hottest team in football right now. Nobody wants to play the Buffalo bills at all. And if they're that number two seed, even if they're the number three playing the six or seven, you're going to play a team that you're slightly better than. So are you going to go take care of business? Can we expect that from the Buffalo Bills, Clayton Garrett? Yeah, I think you can. I think it is not it's not off far off of expectations to expect this team not just win a playoff game, but win two of them. You know, this team, I, I they just advanced to the two seed last night after the Pittsburgh Steelers dropped a game against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Crazy. That, that, that was awesome. Thanks to the Cincinnati Bengals again for the second time in three years for helping us in the postseason in some way, shape, or form. But I think it's not far off expectations for Bill for, for fans to expect this team to go into the playoffs with the head of steam that they have, honestly. And, and you're not wrong to have the apprehension. I can see where it comes from. I can see where, where, where you're coming from, really, with it. And you're right. It's going to be curious. I'm curious to see if the playoffs is the culmination and what, what, what leads to a letdown for these fans. And that's what their letdown is, is the playoff loss. But if you look at the AFC playoffs today, I don't see a team that th that the Bills don't match up well with. The only team that possibly that really just makes me kind of nervous is Cleveland, knowing what they can do on the ground. But if the Bills can manage to get a two possession lead like they did against the Broncos, then it's that you have to throw the ball at Baker, and I'll take that matchup against the Bills defense any day. So th th there really is a path to success for this team against I think everybody in their playoff bracket and their conference. And, you know, depending, they're, they're only going to face one F NFC team if they're going to have to play one for the rest of the year. So we'll see how that goes if they end up making it to the Super Bowl and who they match up with. But in regards to this Broncos contest, I thought Josh Allen was lights out again. And, you know, I, we're, 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 this podcast, we're going to talk about the overall meaning of this game and, you know, the, the outlying narratives and whatnot of, of what, was impacted by the Bills winning this game, you know, becoming the AFC's champions. But I don't want to get too far off the path and not talk about the Broncos game at all. But Josh Allen, I thought Josh Allen played great in this game. You know, he looked, he again looked, he looked like an MVP caliber quarterback. And he looked the way he should have looked against the team, the quality of the Denver Broncos. And it was almost beaten in everybody's heads last week that, oh, this is the number one red zone defense. This defense can make plays when they want to. And, you know, that all that was held true, but. Once Josh Allen got out on the field, it was game over. John, you know they, they they could have put up sixty on this Broncos team if they weren't if they didn't have three or four touchdowns called back in one possession. It, it, it was crazy what this offense was able to do. And I'll talk about Brian Dable and his play calling in a minute. But Jeff, what were your overall thoughts about the Bills' offense and their ability to perform against the Denver Broncos? Five hundred thirty-four yards for the Bills, eight point two yards per play. Everything was working. Um, I mean, not only did Josh have, what, 359 passing yards, they had 182 rushing yards as well. So this is really just everything was clicking for the Bills offense. And like I said, it was just their day. I mean, they were they were getting 
you know, they, they were getting everything that they could have possibly gotten. I know that some penalties went against them, but, you know, the, the a play to Cole Beasley stands out in my mind. Beasley's running across the middle. The ball gets tipped by the defenders and lands right in Beasley's hands, and he continues to run for another 10 or 15 yards. You may know what I'm talking about. You may not. Um, when that happened, I just said, it's the Bills' day, and it is. I mean, Jerry Hughes returning that for a touchdown – that was incredible to see. I mean, it was just the Bills day. It really was. And they went out and showed how well they're playing right now. I mean, we saw them play against two, you know, higher level opponents, in my opinion, than the Broncos in, you know, San Francisco and Pittsburgh, at least two higher level defenses. And they really showed that they can beat down a, a poor team this week. And, you know, I think the Bills are kind of notorious among their fans is not ever making it easy, not ever blowing teams out. It's always got to be interesting in the end, such as what we saw in the Chargers game. But that wasn't the case in this one. Buffalo really turned it on in the second half, which was even more impressive because Denver got some momentum back at the end of the first half. They scored that touchdown where Noah Fant beat Matt Milano in the end zone. And that kind of said, oh, okay, we got a lot of game left because Allen looked really good in the first half. You know, for the way that he played, you know, a lot of people were probably thinking this game's over. But that Denver touchdown at the end of the first half really kind of swayed the momentum and got that got them back into this one. But Buffalo came out and they outscored him 17 nothing in the third quarter. And then the game's basically over. And the third quarter is something the whole first half of the season you and I talked about as being the Bills' weakness. That was a big question mark for them. It, you know, it, we thought over the first month of the season that the Bills were getting outcoached in the third quarter. Um, the game against the Rams comes to mind when Sean McVay came out in the second half and really had some nice things going for his team, and they came back from that 28-3 to deficit and went ahead. Now, obviously, the Bills go on to win that game, but my point in case is that the third quarter had been an issue. I don't know the exact statistic off the top of my head, but the Bills have been really good in the third quarter recently, and this game was no exception. 17 to nothing. They really put them away, and it's been a lot of Stephon Diggs as well. Coming out of the second half, they found ways Diggs get the ball in the third quarter, and that has been huge for them. Clayton, your thoughts on this second-half surge? All of a sudden, are the Bills a second-half team all of a sudden? Yeah, and see, you know, we, we, we talk about this a lot. We, we, we've talked about how they don't want to be playing their best football in September and October, rather November, December, January, et cetera. And I think this plays a part in it. I, I, you can't say it doesn't. And, you know, 31 points in the last two games in the, in the third quarter really kind of puts the, the, the third quarter bugaboo, uh, it kind of puts it to bet. Can you really say that? Do I think it could possibly come back up in the playoffs when you're playing against quality opponents on a week to week basis? Yeah, potentially. I think that I think it could almost it could be a problem come that time. Um, but at this current moment in time, I'm not nearly worried about the third quarter as I was earlier this season. I mean, it got to the point where I, I, I had a meme that Mario Granada made and put on hashtag sports Twitter and. I, I was I was retweeting it after that, every bad third quarter, and I feel like I've only retweeted it two or three times since he posted it. It was about two months ago. So it, the third quarter for the Buffalo Bills earlier in the season, that was really the biggest gripe that I've had because that's where you saw teams like the Rams game where they, they the Bills were up 21-7 at, at, at halftime, and the Rams managed to play themselves back into that game because the Bills were non-existent in the third quarter, and there were countless other outings like that where the Bills – were just just stagnant in the third quarter and it hurt the team's overall momentum and their probability to win the game. Now you're seeing a team come out there in the third quarter with some sort of fire, with some sort of urgency, with a rhythm, with a plan set out, and you're seeing them move the ball. 500 yards of offense is not an easy thing to do. You know what the Bills did in the third quarter in this game? It was probably their best third quarter outing that we have seen since last week. And they've strung together two solid performances in the second half that has ultimately led to them winning football games. And that is what's important. You're no longer seeing the Buffalo Bills just play a half of football. And that was what my biggest gripe was, because you're not going to win a Super Bowl by playing a half of football. And the Bills are now, they're playing complete performances, not just on offense, not just on defense, not just on special teams, but on all three phases in all four quarters. And that's what makes this team ultimate. That's what makes them one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL at this current point in time. The Bills offense can hurt you at any point in the game. You can shut them down for an entire half. 
like the Steelers did. The Bills offense had nothing in the first half in that Steelers game, and they'll come out and beat you because they also have an opportunistic defense. I won't call this an elite defense, the Bills, because it's not. Let's be honest with ourselves. The Bills defense is not the elite unit that it was last year, but their defense is opportunistic. They force turnovers, and you know they, they aren't easy. They aren't quick to give up the end zone. Additionally, this Bills offense can hurt you at any time. They can do it in the first half. They can do it in the second half. How many times has Josh Allen come out and been lights out on the first drive of a game? A lot. How many times has Josh Allen come out and been lights out in the third quarter or the fourth quarter? Fourth quarter, Josh Allen, that's a thing. It's all the time. And you know who else does that? The Kansas City Chiefs. This is a Chiefs-like offense in that it can beat you at any time because it has the playmakers to do so. It has the play calling to do so. And it has the coaching staff to do so. And, you know, comparing the Bills to the Chiefs is about as high of a compliment you can give a team in the NFL these days because the Chiefs are the standard. They're the defending champs. They're 13-1. and They have the best player in the league, the highest paid player in the league. The Chiefs are the cream of the crop in the NFL. And if you're getting compared to them, that's a good thing. And I think that this Bills offense can be likened to the Chiefs because of how well they can play at any point in the game. They can hurt you at any point. The Chiefs are famous for those 21-point outbursts where all of a sudden maybe you're beating them 14-7, to 7, and then all of a sudden you're down two scores with a snap of the finger. And I think that's where the Bills offense is getting to as well, and that's really exciting, and it's really dangerous if you're a defense that's having to plan to face the Bills. Let me ask you this. If the Bills play the Chiefs tomorrow in the AFC Championship in Arrowhead because the Chiefs are the one seed and that's where the game would be played, who are you picking? <laughs> who am I picking? Yeah, Bills Chiefs in Arrowhead for the AFC Championship. I'm picking the Chiefs simply out of experience. I think that they have that they have that experience and the Bills don't. But I think that it's very realistic for the Bills to get to the AFC Championship game. I think they can beat them. I think that the Bills can beat the Chiefs. I think if the Bills and the Chiefs were to play 10 times, the Bills would win three or four. Um, I don't think that's unfair to say. But right now... At Kansas City, there's people in the building. The Chiefs are the more experienced team. I mean, that's a tough game to play if you're the Bills. Everything's really going to have to go right, and your defense is going to have to make some plays. But I think it would be a one-possession game either way, definitely. I don't think the Chiefs are going to blow out the Bills, especially how the Bills are playing right now. I mean, we saw what happened the first time these two teams played, but the Bills' rushing offense has gotten better since then. The Bills' offense in general has gotten better since that. What was that, the first week in October? That the Bills played the Chiefs, that's an eternity ago. We know it's how you're playing in December and how you're playing in January that's most important in this league. And I would take the Chiefs right now, um, but I think it would be a very close game. I, who do you have in that hypothetical matchup? I don't I don't want to sound I don't you're gonna pick like the Bills. Homer. I would take the Bills. Mm-hmm. I would take the Bills because the Bills right now, I think top to bottom are the most well-rounded team in the NFL. They are. They're, they're a better roster than the Kansas City Chiefs. They have a better defense. The, 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 the Kansas City Chiefs, you watch, go watch the Kansas, Kansas City's last five games. They have won more games they, by six points or less than any team in NFL history. They're not playing good football right now. And that Kansas City team that, you know, struggled to put up 22 uh, they, they put up 19 six oh excuse me 22 points beating the broncos a couple weeks ago they struggled to put the point, ball in the end zone against their divisional opponent the, the denver broncos and the bills just walked into mile high and hung up 48 like it was nothing they're ready to hang up 60 on this team they they, they they didn't score twice in the red zone they could have put up easily put up 64 points in this game that that's the point i'm trying to make is this team when they're firing at all cylinders they're better than any team in the league. You know, that defense is better than Kansas City's, in my opinion. Their special teams unit is better than Kansas City's, in my opinion. You saw Andre Roberts muff a punt this week and then take take a kick return off in the second half for 51 yards and ultimately give this offense a spark like he's done all season. People keep forgetting about Andre Roberts and his ability with the football in his hands. You know, I understand that one muff punt. It kind of swung momentum. I, th- I believe Denver ended up scoring a touchdown off of it with such a short field. Um, they took the ball around the, the Bills' 20-yard line. So, you know, the point is, is that this Bills team, when they're firing on all cylinders, they are the most well-rounded team in the NFL. They are. From back to front, on the defensive side of the ball, and from front to boundary with your with, with your offense. This offensive line is better than the Chiefs. These receivers 
I don't know. You can't say the the Bills skill players can't really hang with the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, because, you know, there, there's only like 15 of them that could start on any roster in the NFL now. But other than that, I think the Bills, you know, they don't they obviously don't have a better quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes right now. But I think the Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship. And if they do play, it's going to be an interesting matchup. And just like Wesley, oh, man, I'm so sorry, Wesley. I'm not going to say your last name just to not be insulting on the Facebook in the Facebook comments. This team, this has been going on without John Brown too. Wait until he's back at 100%. Exactly. This offense has been humming on all cylinders, and the losing John Brown has appeared to not really phase this offense. Whereas earlier in the season, when you didn't have John Brown against the Chiefs against the Titans, it was a huge miss for the Bills. There was a dynamic of the Bills offense that was certainly missing, and to me that. That was kind of scary. Like you're you're missing your number two wide receiver, and this is how bad it how much it impacts your overall offense, because the Bills' offense was night and day with and without John Brown on the football field. And now these last four games where he's been inactivated, he was on injured reserve, activated off injured reserve, but not activated for the game last Saturday. So you've seen this offense be able to put up yards, put up points, look look you know look as good as this looked all season all without their number two wide receiver, who is, you know, by many people in that locker room, considered to be the best wide receiver, too, in the National Football League. So, yeah, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. I think this offense, when it, it, I don't think they've even hit their peak yet. You know, we talk about them beating up a Broncos team. You can say what you will about the quality of this Broncos team, but this is a Broncos team that the Kansas City Chiefs struggled to defeat. The Kansas City Chiefs have been struggling to defeat teams for the last month and a half. And I think they're going to continue that streak going into the postseason. And that's, you know, they're, they're finding ways to win games. That's that, that that's held to be, that, that can be said. Yeah. But and are they a good football team? I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're not. They're an incredible football team, as are the Buffalo Bills. Do I think the Bills match up to them as well as any team in the NFL? And if there's any team in the NFL that's going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, would I bet it be the Bills? Yeah, I would, just like I would have back in week six. But, you know, that was a different time, like you said, Jeff. You know, this team is playing different football right now. And, yeah, I have all the confidence in the world in the Buffalo Bills matching up with the Kansas City Chiefs in the in the AFC Championship. So from a roster perspective, I think these two teams are very close. Um, like you said, I mean, the Bills defense is playing a little better right now. Um, <clears throat> the Mahomes factor, obviously, is so much. And they and they have different weapons. I mean, they both have a great wide receiver. One, the, t- or the uh, Chiefs obviously have the weapon at tight end, Travis Kelsey. I mean, the Bills don't have anything like that, but the Bills receiving core might be deeper. But the two things that I wouldn't discredit when we're looking at that matchup is, number one, coaching. That's not a shot at Sean McDermott. It's that Andy Reid's one of the best coaches in NFL history, especially one of the best offensive minds in NFL history. And you give him all of those playmakers, and then you throw Andy Reid calling them plays. There's a reason why they're the best team in the NFL. They have everything, and you need everything. And I think the Bills have everything too, but the Chiefs really have everything. And the second thing I wouldn't discredit is experience. The Chiefs just won the Super Bowl, and there's a lot of members from that team back. And they've been there. You know, the the Bills playing in the Super Bowl would be, you know, just imagine that. I mean, I I know that we're imagining it now, but before now and before this season, that's just such a foreign concept to so many Bills fans who maybe weren't around for – the Super Bowl runs or maybe the Super Bowl runs were so long ago that they've forgotten what that feeling is like, what this area, what this town is like when the Bills are in the Super Bowl. And how would that feel for the players? Whereas the Chiefs have been there before. I understand not everybody on this Chiefs team was on the Super Bowl team last year, but a lot of them were. Their nucleus was. And I I think that the experience and the coaching staff, the coaching staff has been there before as well. I think that that would be the deciding factor in this game because the rosters are pretty hard to separate, especially how well the Bills are playing right now. But I think that it's going to come down to who's playing better football in a month. Maybe it really could. I mean, if we get to that point, what, four or five, six weeks from now, and it's the Bills versus the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, it could be who's playing better ball right now. Chris Fowler said in the comments, I just hope we don't go past our peak. Yeah, me too. Because... You know, everything points to this being Buffalo's peak. I hope that they can keep the peak out through the rest of the year because maybe they've just gotten to that point as a football team. But if they if they regress, if they start playing a little more poorly, 
than they did than they are now, then they're going to have a have trouble beating teams like the Chiefs or like the Titans. So we'll see who's playing better football in another month. Yeah, and you know who knows? Maybe the Chiefs haven't been playing their top ball right now just because of that factor because they don't want to bottom out too soon. Maybe that's exactly what, what what I'm not kind of factoring in here with the Kansas City Chiefs, and maybe they're letting off the pedal a little right now because I feel like their floor is higher than anybody, higher than most teams in the NFL. You know, when they're at their worst, they are better than just about everybody. That's how I feel about the Kansas City Chiefs. For sure. And maybe they're maybe they're laying off the gas this last long stretch before the playoffs so that they can get their bye, refresh, go into the playoffs so they had to see. Maybe that maybe that's their thought process in this, but I don't know. We'll see. The, the, the whole playoff conversation is intriguing as it is. Um, that seventh seed is going to be held by either Miami or Baltimore. And one of those teams missing the playoffs, I think you and I both know which team is more deserving of missing the playoffs. But I'll dodge a matchup with the Baltimore Ravens any day. Like uh, overplaying the Tua Tugabailoa-led Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah, I'll, do- I'll dodge Lamar Jackson and that Ravens team any day to match up with Tua and uh, that lightning in a bottle team that they've got going on right there with with, with Tua and that offense moving, you know they, they are they are coming off the heels of beating the Patriots with the Bills opponent this week. We'll talk about that in um, just a minute. But no, overall this Broncos performance, uh, you, you, we we talked about the defense, we talked about this offense. Jeff, who are your studs? Who are your duds? Do you even have any duds? Um, no, I mean it's it's hard. It would be hard to have a dud in this game. I don't have one. Um, my stud is going to be, um, I mean, it's really tough in this game because it's, it's, uh, everybody played so well, but my stud is going to be Jordan Poyer. That's kind of a, might be a random one. Um, but he had, he, him and Tremaine Edmonds each had eight tackles to lead the game. Um, Poyer, we, a lot of people know the NFL, um, pro bowl teams were announced yesterday. Jordan Poyer was left off that list. He's never been a pro bowler. Um, a lot of people arguing that he should have been a pro bowler, but I've got him just to give him some recognition because him and Micah Hyde really just tie up this defense so well. And I really believe that, you know, as central to this defense as the linebackers are, it's Hyde and Poyer calling it out from the back. That is really the heart and soul of this defense. And I don't think a lot of defenses can say that with your two safeties running the show. These are two experienced players who know what they're doing back there and they lead by example every day. And so Poyer's my stud. Give him some recognition. And, you know, there's so many guys on the offensive side of the ball that could have deserved this, but I'll go defense this week. Change it I, up a bit. You know, I, I was going to say Poyer just out of the fact that Sorry. he got from that Pro Bowl, <laughs> Pro Bowl team. No, it's for, perfectly fine. You know, he got stuff from that Pro Bowl team. That, that, that's that's malarkey. I don't get it. I and don't it's, you know. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of like, oh, you see that on Twitter last night on whatever social media that Poyer should have been snubbed, and you say, all right, you know, you're defending your hometown guys. Then you look at the box score, and he led the team in tackles on Saturday in the team's previous game. Like, you know, he's doing things right on the football field, and how many times does Jordan Poyer's name come up as doing something poorly? Not very often, and the same can be said with Micah Hyde. I mean, that's really the mark of a good defensive back they'll get their interceptions they'll 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 get their passes defended but when you're not really ever talking about them doing something wrong blowing coverages that's how you got a damn good defensive back so rob roberson says in the comments so should i hop off the fire brian dable fire dable train clayton (laughs) i i'm not saying fire brian dable i've never said that but what i will say is brian dable is the stud this week and here's why and I was going to pick Poyer initially because, you know, the Pro Bowl snub, but I had to think on the fly here. And it's because this weekend I had to have a big old plate of crow because I'm going to admit that I'm wrong about Brian Dable. I never said Brian Dable won't be a good a good offensive coordinator. He's simply doing the things that, you know, I, I, I wanted to see him do. And now it is coming to fruition. Now you are seeing a three-dimensional offense. And I won't forget this that Mario Granada told me one time, I, I don't even think we were on air. I think we were just talking behind the scenes. Shout out to Mario Granada and Paul Wineski of Hashtag Sports, the YouTube channel. Please go go subscribe to them, Hashtag Sports. Follow them on Twitter, Hashtag Sports, I believe it is on Twitter. If, apologies if I'm mistaken. But he said, their Hart Perkins system, which is what Brian Dable runs, it, it it's predicated on passing to score and running to win. And that is something that you saw this team do this week. You saw them pass to score. 
they got up on this team and they ran the ball to win this game. And you saw some tough running from Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. That cannot be lost in this game. I understand 51 of Singletary's 68 yards came on one carry. But let's Zach Moss having the having the, the, the workload that he did, his set his 13 carries for 81 yards, averaging 6.2 yards per carry. That's awesome. That is awesome. That is the kind of rushing performance that we need from these two young running backs. So I think that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary could be workload running backs if they if if they needed to be. Yeah, I do. Do I think Zach Moss and Devin Singletary could be worked like David Montgomery was worked this past week in Chicago? Absolutely. Are they is it necessitated? No, it's not because the Bills have one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So it is not necessitated that the Bills need to run the ball like crazy. But the point is, is when they needed to run the ball in this game, they ran the ball and they closed out the game. Go back and look at the Steelers game. 7-11 on the clock. The Bills get the ball back around midfield. It's game over. The Bills ran the clock out. They they were handing it off to their two young running backs. They were doing some powerful running and running through the hole hard. And they ultimately sealed this game with a solid attack solid attack between the tackles. And I think that's the biggest thing people need to worry about with the Buffalo Bills going into the playoffs because you saw it this past week, the Kansas City Chiefs. You saw them start establishing their run, which would, I really felt like I haven't watched every Kansas City Chiefs game this year. Don't get me – every Kansas City Chiefs game this year, don't get me wrong. But that was really – it felt like really the first time they were really working Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as a pairing and really trying to make them the focal point of the uh, of the offensive approach. And my, that, that, that's not necessarily what I'm saying about the Bills' approach with Zach Moss by any means. If anything, it's the inverse. They were handing the ball off a majority of the time with, with, on their last possession. So, Lone Wolf says, Dave will probably go next year. Who would you want as the Bills' new ha- offensive coordinator? Lone, I, I think it's pretty obvious who the answer is. I don't think you're going to have to look very far. I think it's uh, – almost seamless that they're going to put Ken Dorsey in as their offensive coordinator. I felt like, I feel like they've wanted Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator for a long time. And, you know, they had the backup plan for the backup plan for Brian Dable leaving because, you know, and this is, this is a narrative that I want to bite in the butt right now. Jeff, do you think that, and you know, with a half hour left in the podcast, don't worry, we'll, we'll talk about the Patriots. We'll, we'll get to the Patriots. I'll have, I have plenty of things I have to say about, you know, the, the basement dwellers now. Um, but do you think, or are, are, are you kind of afraid of Josh Allen's play from 2020 tapering off next year with the potential of having a new offensive coordinator in place for the first time in his career that isn't Brian Dable? So I think that if you hire within, so if you're appointing somebody instead of bringing somebody in from outside of the organization, no, I wouldn't be as worried as if you were. So if you, if you appoint Ken Dorsey, and he's already coming up from in the organization. <clears throat> he's he's just moving up to an extended role. Then no, because you know he's been around Allen. Allen already has a relationship with him. If you're bringing in somebody from outside of the staff you've already accumulated, then I would be more worried. But I don't think they're going to do that because it's not logical because of you know the progression that you know Allen has enjoyed under Dable. Now here's the thing. Dable leaving is obviously not good because you're taking away that relationship that they've built the last three years. However, Dable has been an instrumental part of building up Allen to what he is now. And a lot of people have had hands in that in doing that. But Dable's gotten to Allen where he is now. And so now if Dable hands off Allen to a new offensive coordinator, I think he can still do it. You know, you know, the, the progress that Dable has made isn't going to isn't going to retract because he leaves. I think that Dable can get a lot of credit for figuring out what works with Josh. And, you know, Ken Dorsey will have that information as well. If he or whoever is appointed as new offensive coordinator, they're going to know what worked with Josh because Brian Dable figured that out. And maybe it took him a while. Maybe it took a while for Josh to get the system down, to get Dable's system down. Maybe it took a while for Dable to find what type of offense works best with Josh. Maybe it just took getting all of the correct uh, pieces in place, such as the acquisition of Diggs, signing Beasley, um, John Brown last year, guys like that. Maybe that's what it took. But the progression that Allen has showed, I don't think is going to go away because his offensive coordinator is going away. And so that's what my stance is. Now, maybe it'll take the two of them a bit to find out their chemistry, but 
the Bills organization knows what has worked from them in the past. And now that they've showed that on the field, they can continue to go with that. They can continue to, to do what they're doing now that works. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. You know, I, I, I heard it. I'm not going to say from who. I'm not going to say on what show. But it was national media. And they said, oh, it's going to be real interesting to see how that Allen kid holds up with Brian Dable. No, stop. Stop it. I don't even want to hear that narrative start. It's not the, the like you're, you're already starting the stuff I expect to hear by next by next July. Oh, Brian Dable left left Josh Allen. Stop it. Josh Allen is the best thing that has happened to Brian Dable in his offensive coordinating career ever, ever. He's going to get a head coaching job because Josh Allen was, was his quarterback and that kid oozes potential. I said it on the live show in the post game for post game this past week on the cold front report. If anybody deserves credit for Josh Allen turning into what he has turned into, it's Josh Allen. At the end of the day, I don't care. I don't care. You can find somebody who is successful that might have had all the ducks in a row to be successful. Maybe they grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth, whatever. Maybe you find somebody that dug themselves out of a rut, and they are just as successful. You know who deserves the credit? Both of the individuals. Everybody deserves their own their own credit for their own work. At the end of the day, you're accountable and you're responsible for the things that you either succeeded or failed in. And at the end of the day, Josh Allen is the reason that this offense is the it looks the way it is. It does. I don't think I'm not going to sit here and say that Brian Dable leaving isn't going to impact Josh Allen. But I will sit here and say that Brian Dable leaving is going to impact Brian Dable way more than it will ever impact Josh Allen, especially if you just plug and play Kent Dorsey in as your offensive coordinator. Do I think it's going to be as seamless as a transition? Is it? Do I think it's much easier said than done? Yeah, absolutely. It's much easier said than done that you go into a season with a new offensive coordinator, regardless if it's in-house, out-of-house, or what have you. But Brian Dable leaving, if Josh Allen were to fail, it is not going to be because Brian Dable left to go coach whatever sorry-ass team he chooses to go coach. But speaking of a team that I think he's going to go coach – I'll say I'll say this. It's between two teams, in my opinion. I think it's either going to be the Chargers or it's going to be the New York Jets. I, I have my reservations of Brian Dable as a head coach. If I think I think if he goes to the Chargers, he's going to be successful. If he goes to the Jets, I guess we'll wait and see. You know, Joe Douglas. A lot of people have a lot of good things to say about him. The Jets' general manager, that is. So maybe all they need is the right mind in there. Maybe Brian Dable could be that. Let's not take anything away from Brian Dable though. I think he has improved. He has evolved as an offensive coordinator. He has this offense rolling on all cylinders. It's multidimensional. But the fact still remains, Josh Allen is an MVP caliber quarterback with or without Brian Dable. This, is, this isn't some Kyle Shanahan, Matt Ryan, lightning in a bottle type stuff that you saw a couple of years ago, in my opinion. Not by any means. You saw Josh Allen evolve from year one to year two to year three, is it theoretically impossible to not give jo- to not give Brian Dable credit for that evolution? Yeah, it's it, it's impossible. But I don't see Brian Dable as a quarterback whisperer, a quarterback builder. I, I, all these national media people that try and act like they know – oh, that was almost a bad one – to try and act like they know anything about the Buffalo Bills, I don't know. I've grown to- I've grown tone deaf to it. I really have. They, you know, oh, if Brian Dable leaves, yeah, if Brian Dable leaves, he's going to do the same stuff with a new offensive coordinator next year. Fuck it. I'll, I'll put money on it. I will put money on it that he does the same stuff with a new offensive coordinator next year, assuming that his dudes stay healthy, that being Diggs, Brown, and Beasley. But we'll see. We'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting, and time will tell. But, you know, the Bills did win their first AFC's championship in a long time this year, 25 years. The first one that Jeff, you know, and I have gotten to experience in our in our lives, really. Jeff, what are you, 20, 20, 21, 22? 21, yeah. 21. So, yeah, I'm 20. First time. In a, <laughs> it's It's been a long time, but the Bills have to play the team that reigned over this division for 11 consecutive seasons, and I believe every season since 2000, aside from 2008, when the Dolphins won at 11-5 and five with Brady Torres' ACL, the New England Patriots. And this is a team that's coming off the heels of a loss to said Miami Dolphins. And they did not look good. They haven't looked good, quite frankly, in a long time. So before we get into a comprehensive preview of the New England Patriots, Jeff, what are your overall thoughts of this team going into the Bills' second meeting with them this season? 
Well, you know, these teams are in a lot different place than they were week eight. I mean, going into that previous game, you know, the, the um, Patriots were what, two and five, I think, and they really needed a win. Um, the Bills were six and two at that time or, or five and two at that time. And, um, you know, the teams have just spiraled in completely different directions since then. You know, I think that back in the first time the Bills played the Patriots, Buffalo was still kind of looking for its identity. You know, are the Bills for real as far as, you know, convincing the across the National Football League and across the United States that the Bills were for real? That was where they were last game. And that Patriots game was a big stepping stone into that because it's okay. They finally beat the Patriots. And since that win, it's been all uphill for Buffalo and it's been all downhill for the Patriots. I mean, that Bills win was in the midst of this last, you know, eight of nine wins with the one loss coming on the Hail Mary. You know, this Patriots game was two weeks removed from that ugly loss to the Chiefs, three weeks removed from getting blown out at the Titans. Now, these two teams are at different places than they were then. Cam Newton has become, you know, do I dare say a laughing stock? He can't throw the ball down the field. He just isn't just isn't performing. He hasn't performed all season and he just can't do it anymore. And they don't have anybody around him to help him out. It's not all his fault. That offense is really struggling right now. They're not good. They're, they're not good. And they have defensive playmakers, especially in the secondary. But, you know, us going into this Patriots game, we're at a lot different place than we were week eight going into the first one. And that, you know, that might be a little dangerous to, to if you're just overlooking the Patriots, which, I no, I'm not saying that those are going to do that. They won't. But we're at a different place because the Patriots have just kind of gone down while the Bills have kind of gone up since then. You know, the Patriots are out of it. They're eliminated from the playoffs. They don't have much to play for other than to spoil the boys, their, the Bills draft pick and for draft positioning other than that, I guess. Did I say the Bills draft pick? Spoil the Bills postseason seeding. Um, so they don't have a lot to play for other than that. But so coming into this game, it's kind of a weird feeling, you know, games in Foxborough, the last 20 years, Bills games in Foxborough haven't really mattered. It's because the Bills have been out of it now it's because the Patriots are out of it. Oh, isn't that funny? Oh, that was music to my ears. It's because the Patriots are out of it. And you want to know why? Cause they suck. The Patriots are a bad football team. I, I hate being candid like that. Sometimes I sometimes there's times where I should be a little more articulate than I am, but I'm sorry to the listeners. But look at this Patriots team. What what do they have that scares you right now? Who scares you on either side of the ball? Who? Name somebody. They don't have Gilmore. Gilmore's out. Gilmore Gilmore has a partially torn quad. I wish him I wish him a healthy and speedy recovery. You know, he he's one of the best reigning defensive player of the year. But he's out for this game. He's not suiting up for the Patriots. That's their bit. That that was their best player going to this game. So who on this roster really scares you? Because it's not Harry. It's not Jacoby Myers. It's not Demir Bird. It's, it's nobody. Damian Harris doesn't scare me. Does show does Sony Michelle on half half a knee scare? No, no. Stop it. Stop. I don't. I think this game might maintain. It might might be competitive just solely out of the fact that it is a divisional matchup. And if it's anybody in the NFL that knows how to get Josh Allen off his mark. It's Bill Belichick, but Josh Allen's shown in the past that he's not afraid to fight right back into that Bill, Bill Belichick fire. Now, something that I don't think people are going to anticipate this week that I think you should, I think John Brown's going to be activated for the first time in over a month this week. And the reason being is you look at last week when he was activated. Okay. They got him back to practice last week off of the injured reserve list. And now that was in a short week. They were playing on Saturday. Now they have a longer week because they're playing on Monday. So they have eight days of preparation, kind of. So I think there's more wiggle room to put John Brown back in this game, and that is something that I think fans should have in mind. I want to see John Brown play before the playoffs. I want to see him, you know, because it's difficult to just go back out there and expect be expected to play at a high level. And when you're in the playoffs, that's what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to play at a high level on a play-to-play basis, and that's how you win football games in December and January. And if John Brown comes out there with a lick of rust, I'm not saying he's going to be useless. I'm not saying the Bills' offense is going to be inept if John Brown's out there with, with some sort of rust coming off of this ankle injury. 
But I will say I'd much rather see him bang off that rust against the New England Patriots in a game that I'm not going to say the Bills have nothing to play for. They have the number two seed to play for. I saw somewhere in the comments that if the Bills have another win, they'll be the, – I don't know if they'll clinch the number two seed, but I guess we'll see. I, I know they'll def- definitively have sole possession of the second seed. Um, but, no, I, I want to see John Brown back in this football game. I want to see him get the rust off. Do I have much to say in terms of his usage? I don't know how much they'll use him because personally, I, I I feel like the same approach they took against the Patriots last time could potentially work this time. A game in with the, one of the only two games this season that you saw both of these running backs, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, go over 80 yards in a game. Do I think that this could be a run-heavy game plan? I absolutely do. It worked for the Bills the last time these two teams matched up. So maybe they could yang to the yang of what worked in their prior matchup because the Patriots could be expecting that. But time will tell. We'll see. Do I think it's a given that Stephon Diggs is going to go off in this game without Stephon Gilmore in there and just J.C. Jackson covering him? Yeah. I think I think this is a big game for the Bills running backs and Stephon Diggs and potentially even Cole Beasley as well. I think this offense – I don't – I don't. Th- this defense doesn't scare me. I don't care if it's the Patriots. I don't care if it's Bill Belichick. This just – this ain't it. These dudes aren't the dudes. Do I love Kyle Duggar? I love Kyle Duggar. But do – do I think this defensive unit is capable of stopping the Buffalo Bills right now? No, I can't tell you that. I I, I would not be able to tell you that with, with a level-headed mind. This Patriots team cannot stop the Bills' offense, and I don't anticipate that they will at all. No, and on the other side of the ball, I mean, we know what the Patriots' offense is as well. You need to slow down their rushing attack, and then you're going to win. And this is a good opportunity for the Bills' defense to stay hot and show that it can slow down a rush-first offense because that's a big question mark going into the playoffs if you're going to have to play Cleveland, if you're eventually going to have to play Kansas City. You're going to have to slow down a rushing attack, and that's a big chance this week for the Bills' defense to be able to do that because if you stop this Patriots' rushing offense, you win the game. Cam Newton isn't going to beat you. He's not going to, I don't, I would bet the under of him throwing 200 yards in a game. That's how poorly they've been that they played. That's how poorly they've played this whole offense. And so I think this is a great opportunity for the bills defense to, you know, stay hot and slow down this rushing attack and just kind of, you know, show the world that you can do this week in and week out. And for the bills offense, they just have too many weapons for the Patriots defense to beat them, especially with the Patriots best defensive player in Stefan Gilmore out. And, you know, the, the couple other guys who are out for them, a few other guys who are out for them because of they have been out the whole season because of COVID um, great opportunity for the bills offense. And I don't see this Patriots defense slowing them down. The bills have too many weapons. I mean, they really do. And, and I think this is just a great opportunity for the Bills to stay hot. It's tough to play in Foxborough no matter when, no matter what year. Even if there are no fans in the stadium, it's tough to play up there. But I think that the Bills um, can kind of make a statement here. And one thing I want to say about this game, on Monday Night Football again, I mean, maybe I'm just talking like a spoiled fan, but I'm sick of these primetime games, man. I want the Bills to play at 1 p.m. on Sunday. And, you know, <laughs> I know that's been the case for so long but man I, i'm ready for it to be a one o'clock game and then the rest of the games can be other good teams for me to watch you gotta work the night shift jeff it's you, true you gotta work the night shift it changes once you go to the night shift you live like batman and you're not afraid of the night anymore it's great it's great well, well I, I don't know man I, I i miss the 1 p.m start times maybe that's uh maybe that's just like a a spoiled thing for me to say. But. I, I think I think that's going to be a weeks one through eight thing for the Bills going forward, but maybe even not. I don't know. I think until the Bills get a new stadium, you're not really going to see them get a a um uh you know a platform on national television for a sustained long time. Do, do I think they will next year? It, it, well, if they win the Super Bowl, it, it's obvious they're going to be on national stages a lot. So do, do do I think you should might you might should get used to it? Yeah, I, I do. I kind of do, but I I don't know. I I like these Monday night games. I'm excited for this because it's on prime time. It's in Foxborough. It's in the city that Bills fans were so savage. They they won a fan contest and then they put the sign in Foxborough like 20 minutes away from the stadium. That's awesome. And it's le- and it's getting put there the week leading up to the matchup of the game. That's awesome. That's that is so savage right now. Like, like I, I think people aren't credited Bills Mafia enough. They're they're the nicest people. They'll 
they'll they'll donate to whatever charity that you that you try and help out that you started or you you fund the they'll help you out but guess what they're not pulling any punches towards the patriots they're not pulling any punches towards foxborough and putting that, that – I guarantee you there's players that have to pass that side out of their way to work every day, and that's awesome. You know, and, you know, you look at this Patriots team, and do I think we're going to have a lot different conversations next year when they have, like, eight opt-outs coming back and they have a draft class and whatever happens in, off, in the offseason happens? Yeah, I do think we're going to have a much different conversation. Do I think the biggest factor for that football team and succeeding going forward – will ultimately be their quarterback just because it is for every other team in the NFL. Do I think they do I think they're gonna land in quarterback purgatory? Potentially. Am I gonna be upset? No, I'm not. But we will see what happens to the Patriots going forward. But this year, week 16 of the NFL on Monday night football, no, I don't I don't anticipate this game to be close. I don't anticipate the Patriots to put up a fight. You look overall up and down this team and how they match up with the Buffalo Bills. On the defensive side of the ball, who's covering Stephon Diggs? Because it's not Jonathan Jones and it's not J.C. Jackson. I don't I don't see anybody on that defense who's going to cover Stephon Diggs. Do I, do I think they could provide potentially a, a difficult matchup in the slot or with the Bills tight end Dawson Knox? Potentially. But if John Brown is back in this game, that to me is the X factor for the Bills offense. That to me is what will be the determining factor as to whether or not you're going to see a pass-heavy approach or a run-heavy approach. And I think the Bills will be successful no matter what they determine that they want to do. I think they could have a multidimensional approach like they have the last couple of weeks. And by multidimensional, I don't mean necessarily like the like a 50-50, a 55-45, or even a 60-40. Multidimensional, the Bills have been running a 65-35 approach run past the run, and it works. That's why it's so good, because it works. And the Bills are doing, you know, Brian Dable, he's in a groove play calling. And that 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 it, it can't be denied. You look at how this offense is humming up and down the field. It's pretty obvious that this is a confident play caller. This is a confident quarterback. And when you when you get into a groove like that, it's difficult. It's difficult to stop. It's difficult to kind of you know break tendencies against them because watch watch the tape. Josh Allen's dicing up no matter what coverage they throw, no matter what coverage the team throws at him, he is dicing up that coverage. And do I think? that the Bills are going to beat the New England Patriots? I absolutely do. And with that, Jeff, let's get into our picks. Bills visiting the Patriots. Monday Night Football. Who you got? Yeah, so it's interesting. We're picking the Bills consistently over 30 points, and I think that shows us and everybody where this Bills offense is at. Um, I'm going to say they're going to do it again. I've got the Bills 31 to 15. I think that, you know, this isn't an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. It could come down to the, the fourth quarter, the second half of the fourth quarter, but the Bills will take care of business. I think they're this offense is going to get its points. You know, I, I'm picking the Bills to score 30 points no matter who they're playing at this point, you know, because that's how well this offense has been over the last really two months. I mean, I think that the Seattle game, was kind of the breakout game for the Bills offense, maybe. And I hadn't even been going back that far recently because, you know, I thought that the Niners game was a great, you know, exemplary performance by the Bills offense. But now going back all the way back to when they played Seattle, even when they played Arizona and they lost that game, you know, these were really, this offense has been really good since then. And so I don't think that this Patriots defense is the one to slow them down. The Bills will get their points 31 to 15 and 12 and three going into week 17. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, whoa. I, I was muted there for a whole. Mm-hmm. That's embarrassing. I'm so sorry to those that are they're watching live. Um, it, 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 it would be something else. And I'm excited to see this game. I don't think the Bills are going to lose. In fact, you know, this is really it. This is really it, I think, for the Patriots dynasty. Week 16, the Bills are, what, 11-3, and three, riding, uh, winning eight of their last nine, and the one loss coming on the last snap of the game. Wow. This has really been – I feel like this is the culmination. I wouldn't say the culmination of 20 years. That's a little dramatic, isn't it? That's a little dramatic. I'm, I'm tired of chasing the ghosts of Tom Brady. That's not, that's not a thing for me. 
But get your shovels ready, Bills Mafia. Get your shovels ready. And I don't mean for the snow. I don't mean for your car. I don't mean to get the, you know, your, your your wife's key out of the driveway. I mean get your old-fashioned wooden handles, metal-piked shovels ready to bury the New England Patriots dynasty. Rest in peace, 2020. That's what it is. That's what this Monday night game is. And the Bills are put, they put them on national television for Christ's sakes. Uh, you can't tell me going into a year where what uh, beforehand it was your best options are Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer. And then it's Cam Newton. Oh, this is a great Monday night game. It's not. This is not a great Monday night game. It's not a great matchup. If this game's close, it's because it's a divisional matchup. That is a fact. That is the only way this game stays close is by the familiarity that these teams have with one another. Any other, by any other means, the Bills match up incredibly well with this team. They just do in all phases, whether they want to pass the ball, run the ball. They're going to stop. I think they're going to stop the rushing attack. And Cam Newton throwing the ball this year is just flat out useless with those targets that he's throwing to. Those receivers that he has, they're probably they're probably thirty first in the league. To, to to the the and just behind the the uh, New York Jets, excuse me. But get your shovels ready. This is where the Bills bury the Patriots dynasty, and I think that that's how everybody's going to feel after this game. The Bills just won their first AFC's championship in 25 years, and I think they're going to sweep the New England Patriots. Wow, that'd be the first time they swept the Patriots. Ooh, I think it was. I think it'd be 0-3. I think it'd be 03 the first time they swept the Patriots. You, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Don't quote me on that. But it's been a long time since the Bills have swept the Patriots and won the division. I'm taking the Bills to win this game handedly. 34-13. It's not going to be close. Cam Newton, he's going to he's going to put the final nail in his coffin in his New England Patriots career. I think he's going to turn over turn the ball over three or four times. It doesn't matter where this game's being played. This Bills team is playing better than anybody. Forget their conference. They're playing better than anybody in football right now. And I don't think that comes to a screeching halt in Foxborough with John Brown potentially returning and playing a team that just think about it. If you're in that locker room, how motivated are you? Cause you're about to finish up this season and go into the playoffs and you're beating a team that, you know, this team has been chasing for the last three or four years. That's really what it is. And I'm excited to see how the bills rise to the occasion this weekend. It's yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I mean, it's it's an interesting situation to be in for Bills fans as you're going into this game with it not mattering for one of the teams because they're eliminated and that team isn't you. That team's the Patriots, and that's you know that's really really an interesting thing, an interesting concept, and you know, it's it's almost like a celebration of of this season. You know, you, you know, obviously you have to win the game, but. You know, going into Foxborough, knowing that they're eliminated from the playoffs and the Bills are the AFC East champions, it kind of shows the changing of the guard that we've seen this year. And, you know, only time will tell if that will continue. But as of now, I mean, wow, what a place to be in. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? That's, I hate I hate being cliche, but it is what it is. All right. Once we start pulling out cliche lines and dad jokes, I haven't pulled out a dad joke yet, so let's get out of here before we do. Jeff, please tell the people where they can find you, what they have to look forward to when they do. Bonnie's basketball is heating up. What do you got? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at RealJUvino, like it says below my name down there. Uh, we got Bonnie's basketball. They're supposed to play today. That game got canceled yesterday because of their opponent had a positive COVID test. However, Atlantic 10 basketball starting up next week. That's going to be fun, and it will coincide with the Buffalo Bills you know, playoff run. The NFL last two weeks, kind of what we're going to be doing, a lot of scoreboard watching. Clayton and I will be to see where the Bills are finally going to land. Um, so it's going to be an exciting time, and the NBA starts today. I'm not really a big NBA fan, but it starts today. It'll be interesting. Um, hockey coming up in four weeks. So hey, we're gonna have a, sports fans are gonna have a lot on their plate, aren't they, Clayton? Oh yeah, I feel like they just got done with the hockey and basketball season for some reason. <laughs> yeah, Which, yeah, that's because they did. It's they're started up again quickly. <laughs> a quick turnaround. I really hope those players. You know, I I really hope they manage themselves well. I think you're gonna start seeing. Some very innovative team, innovative things from different teams throughout both of those leagues because you know it, it takes a lot to make to manage your bodies for that long of a season. Eighty-two games in both those leagues, unless I'm mistaken. Um, 
and you know, coming off a quick turnaround like that with their COVID season, I understand it was a shortened season. You were in a bubble, but you know, that best wishes to all those players and their families. Cause you know, that that's going to be difficult again, you know, if they're going to stick those guys in a bubble and you know, that that's always unfortunate, but you know, with that, be sure to follow the Colfront Report on Twitter, Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube. That's at Colfront Report on Twitter, at Colfront Report underscore Bills News on Instagram, Colfront and Buffalo Bills Colfront Report on Facebook. And then it's just Colfront Report on YouTube. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and like if you're watching on there. Um, if you'd like to find me on Twitter, it's at CFR Clayton. And on Instagram, it's the same exact handle at CFR c-l-a-y-t-o-n and thank you all for listening thank you all for watching stay safe stay healthy and this has been the overtime podcast presented by the cold front